another episode of Wicked. Mysterious. I'm your host, Danny. And I am Katie. And this is episode 26. 26. I already forgot. <laughs> I thought you were actually wanting me to say it, so. No, you, no I just You forgot. looked nervous, and your eyes were like, so I was like, oh, she wants me to say it. We did it. Congratulations. We were right. 26. Wow. Yeah. Just keeps getting higher and higher. <laughs> oh, my God. It's really like 36 if you count the minis. I know. That's crazy. It's really throwing me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. We're coming up to our birthday. September 20th, I think. Was it 20th or 9th? Yeah. No, yeah. 20th. Yeah, the 20th. Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. I have nothing interesting to say at all at the moment. Okay. Well, Do you just how was your it? day? <laughs> We're recording at night, and we've been recording earlier in the day, so this is a little bit different. It's what we used to do, though. It we is. used to always record like, at night. I like it. I like the vibes. Me too. Yeah. I can hear, like, crickets and frogs. Yeah. We're a bit... Darkness. We're a bit... <laughs> That's the frog. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So, my day was good. My shower saying, Daddy, would you like some sausage to me? You didn't ask me. But, yeah, my drain went, do 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 And I was like, <laughs> I just stopped what I was doing in the shower. And I just stayed at the drain for a second. And I'm like, did you really just play, Daddy, would you like some sausage? Tom Shit. Green's in your drain. Yeah. Who Who showed me that, like, man with hot dogs? was creepy. Man with hot dogs all Yeah, over? he had like hot dogs attached all over his body. Oh, that was probably me. It, it was, was like probably something you. I'd send you. I know, that's why I asked if it was you. <laughs> it was so creepy. It could have given me nightmares. But. Hot dog man. <laughs> our newest cryptid. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I don't really think I have anything else to say. We've had it. We had a good week. Yes. We had some good weather. Yes. Danny's going surfing with me next week. I am. And I'm so stoked. She's going to be awesome. We didn't get a chance to buy our matching alien bathing suits, unfortunately. We've got time. We've got time. Amazon Prime, girl. It's got to happen. We'll see. Yeah. All right. And the feast is happening right now. Yes. But we're recording. We are. So It's always guess, tomorrow, unless you're busy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see if we're cool enough this year. I still want to have an excuse to wear our wicked, mysterious shirts. Yeah, but then I'm just going to be walking around in a shirt that says wicked. Yeah, but that's awesome, because you're wicked. Does it does it say wicked mysterious on it? It says no, wicked. Just wicked. Yours says wicked. Mine says mysterious. You're wicked, and I'm mysterious. I am wicked. No, but really, seriously, truly, I've heard I'm mysterious from a lot of people. Me it's a Scorpio too. thing. Well, no, you're not. I, I can read you like a book. Yeah, well, that's because we're <laughs> friends. But I have heard that. <laughs> you just like you just are all in your feelings, and you let them out. Well, I keep yeah. my feelings a secret. But I have. I'm Aquarius rising, so you're more wicked I'm than me. Definitely weird. You are definitely more wicked though. I'm than definitely me. weirder too. 
Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, maybe no, we'll both no, be we'll Do you to, have Aquarius? You, you must have Aquarius in your chart. No, I don't. I told you I have all Leo. Oh, embarrassingly. <laughs> but it does kind of explain some things. Embarrassingly. So. Yeah. That's all right. You don't strike me as a Leo at all. You're I not. Know. I do have a little bit of sometimes like overconfidence, though. I've never seen it. That's great. I love to hear that. <laughs> you know, I love myself. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> One chilly fall evening in 1975, a 22-year-old man named Travis Walton and his six logging co-workers were just leaving a job site after a long day on the job in the Arizona Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. The crew all claimed to have encountered a UFO that struck Travis with a beam of light. Travis Walton then went missing for five days, and when he returned, he told his tale of his alien abduction. All seven men passed lie detector tests about the incident. This is the most famous alien abduction case in history. Let's get into it. I have chills already, and I remember this one from Unsolved Mysteries, so I'm really excited to hear Yay. all the all the shocking details. Yay. All right. Travis Walton was born as an Aquarius. Yay! On February 10th, 1953, to his mother, Mary Holden, and father, Vernon Walton. He has two sisters, Diane and Allison, and three brothers, Warner, Donald, and Dwayne. Travis was considered a young rebel in his small town of Snowflake, Arizona. It was a town of Mormon practice, and Travis was not a church regular, but instead put his passion and focus into work and had a great work ethic. Travis ate healthy and enjoyed karate and bull riding. He was very mature for his age, and unlike others his age, he didn't drink or even smoke cigarettes. Travis admits that he did explore around with cannabis and psychedelic drugs a handful of times in his late teenage years. Oh, here we go. Now everybody's going to be like, because uh-huh. he's weird, because he did all this shit. No, of course. That's not how it works. But And he claims it was in his late teenage years anyway. But So the crew of his team that he worked with were named, well, the six other guys were Kenny Peterson, John Goulet. Steve Pierce, Dwayne Smith, Alan Dallas, and his crew boss, Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers was a good friend to Travis, and he had worked for him as a lumberjack for 10 years. Which I was like doing the math, and I was like, 10 years? That makes him 12 to start working. But then again, back then, yeah, he probably what year was. was. This again? I'm sorry. 70. This was 1975. Okay. So, yeah, back then, you did probably start working at 12. Damn. Maybe not. That's really not that, that long ago. So he was 22 at the time of yeah, the incident? Yeah. Okay. But he, but everywhere I, I find says he's he worked for him for 10 years, so hmm. not going to question it. Just going to go with it. Travis got along with all of the members aside from Alan. Travis actually considered Alan the black sheep of the group. Alan Dallas once cut a tree down, nearly killing Travis. When Travis looked up to see who had cut the tree, he saw Alan with an evil grin on his face. There was definitely tension between the two of them. 
Travis carried on with working. This wasn't the first time the two had confrontation and almost physical altercations. On the night of November 5th, 1975, Mike's crew were behind on a 1,200-acre clearance contract. They'd been working long days until sundown to try and catch up. Logging was a very physically demanding and tough job, and the workers were reported to all be very hardworking, and they stopped to eat and energize themselves three times a day. Sounds like you. Six times a day I eat, but yes. <laughs> On the night of November 5th, the crew packed into their work truck to leave the job site. The smokers sat in the back, and the non-smokers took the front, so there was three in the front and four in the back. The men were bantering, as they usually had after work, when they all spotted an unusual glowing light peering through the trees on the on their right-hand side. Travis recognized right away that the light was not the sun, as the sun had already set that evening. They trucked on with curiosity, trying to get through the thick of the woods to get an open view. And once they did, they realized it without any question. They could see a disc-shaped UFO hovering less than 100 feet away from their truck and only 15 feet off the ground. Everyone was in total disbelief at what they were seeing, and Travis felt compelled to get out and approach the craft. Figuring this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him, and that the craft would be disappearing any second. So he had to act fast. He threw open the passenger side door, and it was almost as if he was in a trance. He walked on towards it. The guys back in the truck all shouted to Travis to stop and come back, but Travis pressed on. He could hear them all yelling for him, but he didn't care. He truly expected, he truly expected the ship to have flown away by this point, but it hadn't. He felt terrified, but excited by it. He was now very close. The crew was still screaming for him to get back to the truck. As he lifted his head to a 45 degree angle, he described the ship to appear to be made completely out of glass. Mm -hmm. It was breathtaking. Before he knew it, it began making very loud and strange noises, and they started to get louder and faster. And he was sure this was going to be the moment that it would take off into the night sky. But instead, in an instant, the craft shot out a bright greenish-blue light that zapped Travis like a bolt of lightning and sent his body flying around 15 to 20 feet. Travis appeared dead to the guys in the truck, and Travis felt paralyzed by the shock and watched his vision go black as he fell unconscious. This sounds just like the ship um, and the Falcon Lake incident, the guy that got burnt by the UFO in Canada. We did an episode on it. We did an it. episode on it, yeah. Yeah, it sounds just like that. He, The guy said the same thing, that it looked like glass. Where did this take place? This was in Arizona. Okay. Yep. The crew were terrified beyond belief, and they instantly started screaming and panicking at the sight of Travis's lifeless body. The boss, Mike Rogers, threw the truck into drive, and without thinking, they sped off, fearing the craft were coming after them next. Oh my god, they, they just left him there? They just left him there. They, oh, they were all pretty sure he was dead, just by the way that the, the scene happened, you know? Yeah, but still, damn. I know, I know. 15 to 20 feet is a pretty good amount of um, length to be thrown, you oh, know? yeah. But... But yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. Like, wow, what nice friends. But think about it. But how scared would you judge. be? We don't know. Right, exactly. You don't know what you would do in that situation. Exactly. I, I know I would be panicking too. You and, would leave and me, wouldn't you? I think so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But they, they really did think they could be next. So I think it's just human nature. You yeah, know, yeah, they want to protect themselves. Yeah, yeah. They drove as fast as they could. 
and everybody was in hysterics. Like it was so loud in that truck. Everybody was just all yelling different things and panicking. They felt fearful for their lives and crying out loud about what, but what they should do. Like they were arguing over what they should do. Most of the men were sure that Travis was dead and it did not want to go back. They were all very traumatized. They felt it was best to keep going forward. But Mike stopped the truck and announced that he had to go back. And if anyone didn't want to go back, that he would leave them there at this particular spot and come back for them after he retrieved Travis. Now it's nighttime. So none of these guys were feeling that idea. They didn't want to be left in the dark after they just saw a UFO, you know, so... Um, what a good boss. My boss would leave me to there and die, probably. <laughs> Sorry, boss. No, um, I have like seven bosses, so. One of them would have to go back <laughs> for you. So Mike had a very close relationship with Travis. So as scared as he was, he just couldn't leave his friend, especially knowing that he needed help. The guys were really hesitant on going back, like I said, um, but they ended up going for the ride anyway because they didn't want to be left alone. They turned around and sped back towards the incident site, watching to make sure the UFO was not still hovering in the sky, and it wasn't. When they arrived back, Travis was nowhere to be found, and obviously there was no UFO anymore. He was gone, completely gone, and Mike broke down in that moment, feeling ashamed and guilty for leaving him. They quickly searched around where his body had landed and screamed for him a few times before getting right back into the truck and speeding off once again. This time, they were not stopping. They were going straight back on their one-hour commute back to the town of Heber to call the police. The guys were afraid to report the UFO. They were afraid they wouldn't be believed, of course, and... uh, But once they arrived back to Heber at 7.30 p.m., they called the police and they told the officer, Chuck Ellison, the whole truth about what they had just experienced. Arriving to greet the traumatized group was Marlon Gillespie. He was the sheriff at the time of Navajo County, Arizona. Joining him on the case was Ken Copeland, chief deputy sheriff of Holbrook County, Arizona. At first, the deputies didn't believe them. Just as they feared, first thinking this had to be a hoax or that they were trying to cover up for a different crime, but they could absolutely see the raw fear and trauma in their faces, and the guys were all adamant that they were telling the truth, so they ultimately ended up filing a missing persons case on Travis Walton. So they're just taking their words for it at this point. Yes. Can I ask a question? Please? You sure can. Um, so I love that you raised your hand. Yeah. So the, this was happening during a logging job. So was it like in the middle of the woods? Was yes, it, it was in a national forest. Oh, okay. That's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I said that. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, in I the do beginning, listen. I know. In the beginning, you don't listen. I do. It's always the first paragraph that you miss all the information. I'm sorry. It's okay. You do better next time. Last time you said I wasn't listening, I listened to the episode again. I'm like, she definitely didn't say it. And it was like the fourth time that I listened during editing. I I heard you say it. And I was like, wow, I'm stupid. (laughs) Sorry about that. It's okay. Sorry about that. So, yeah, they were in the Apache Sitgreaves um, National Forest. Okay. I did hear the, you know why I missed it? Because I was thinking about Apache. Oh. And then that, I stopped yeah. listening. Then, yeah, that's what it was. You <laughs> shut me off. Um, but that national forest, interestingly, um, were it was actually two 
national forests uh-huh. and they, they combine them at some point in the yeah. year. Um, the first time I wrote this story, I had really great detail on that. But as you know, I erased this by accident and yeah. it was like a horror show for me to have to rewrite this. So yeah, it was like, and, and I'm talking like, I can't remember now, but it's, I want to say it's like 90,000 acres. Wow. Together, the two forests. Mm -hmm. So it's enormous, absolutely enormous. It's a one hour commute for them to get to that spot that they were working on from the main town, which is Heber. So the town Heber. Yeah. It takes an hour from, you know, where they're working in the forest. So yeah, really in the middle of the forest. I mean, it's really not the middle of the forest. I'm sure it's just, it's in, it's in the forest. Travis said the UFO was like hovering over a clearing. I guess all the logging men, they kind of like throw all their shit in one huge pile. And it was like a cleared area that the UFO was, was hovering over. Mm -hmm. But of course, when they were driving, they couldn't see it until they got to that like clear opening. Um, Have you ever heard of Apache tears? Sorry, not to get too off topic. No, I have not. It's a type of obsidian. That only comes from that desert. Really? And it's volcanic. Well, it's, I think it's volcanic glass, but it's called Apache Tears because there were, there was a Native American tribe that, um, was losing a battle and they, they rode their horses off a cliff at the end of the battle and they all died. And so they call those obsidian, that type of obsidian Apache Tear. Interesting. Very sad. I just thought that was sad. It is. But I wonder, remember my theory about the Falcon Lake incident? Yeah. So it sounds like the same type of ship. Do you think that they had the same kind of geology? There's, I wonder? there's definitely um, something else here that you're going to, that's going to pique your interest okay. about um, what Travis, like one of his theories, why the aliens were there. Yeah. Um, I, I have to look up the word again because I didn't even put it in here. But apparently when lightning strikes sand or soil at like a high enough velocity or or whatever it is that it like can actually form these crystallite type of fucking Uh formations that are not like naturally made. So he thinks that there could be some sort of like energy or something that they were seeking from these things. I'll have okay. to look up okay. what it is before the end of the episode. I really think I'm onto something with that theory. Yeah. I mean, that is something I knew you would think of like yeah. right off the rip when yeah. I said that. Um, it's like fulgurite or something like that. Like okay. it's a weird, it's a weird word. Maybe I did put it in here. Okay. All right. Continue. So, so we've got Marlon Gillespie mm-hmm. and we got Ken Copeland. They show up. They don't believe the guys at first. Um, and then they file a missing person's report in the end okay so at this time the guys had no idea that travis was not lost injured and scared in the woods but that he was actually on board that ship going through the scariest experience he would ever have in his entire life one that would make travis greatly regret ever getting out of that truck an experience that would haunt him and a story that would dictate the rest of his life damn dude so so real i'm wondering like Maybe you'll get to it, but you know how I always say, like, I would love to, and uh-huh. I would love to, like, just have that experience. Like, I could totally see myself being in that situation and being like, whoa, I want to, like... You and Josh from Mile Higher should uh, do a little segment on that, because <laughs> like, he wants to be abducted very badly. 
I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I do when I don't. I like my curiosity would like kill me, and I feel like if I you ran away, would like, be so traumatized, <laughs> and yeah, you would. Your anxiety would be so bad. Life as you know it would be done when you got back from that. You'd be like shaking all the time. <laughs> What's that noise? What's that light? That'd be you. So he regrets. He regrets very much ever getting out of the truck. Yeah, he wishes he never had this experience. Yeah. Um, Sheriff Gillespie launched a search party the next day, November 6th. It was, a very, it was very cold that night. There was 60 men searching for miles in all directions, and most were expecting to recover a dead body. At the site, there was zero sign of Travis or that a UFO had ever been present. So there was, you know, um, obviously we're not talking about a UFO that crashes into the ground. Right, so right. like what evidence would there be from a UFO? Well, in you Falcon I mean? Lake, there was burnt shit on the ground. There, and- there was trees that were weird yeah. and there was radiation, like okay. abnormal levels. So, but on looking glance, you know, what do you expect? It was hovering there. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, but the trees weren't burnt in this story. Yeah. It was something about when they cut the trees open, the lines of the inside of the trees were not normal at all. Oh, damn. Like, they were, like, wicked wide and stretched out. Like, not, like, normal. And these are these are literally lumberjacks. Like, this right. is what they, they do. Yeah. So, it, the trees were wicked abnormal in that area. Okay. There was an unknown and unidentified crew of volunteers there testing for radiation Hmm. in the surrounding area. Yeah. Like they had no shirts on from where they were from. They were just there with their little Geiger counter. No, they had shirts, (laughs) but no uniforms, you know, (laughs) um, the crew members witnessed the Geiger counter buzzing off the charts. But interestingly, in most sources that I found it, there was like all different stories about this Geiger counter, but the men themselves, I would take their testimony over everything else. But there's a lot of like different speculation that like that the Geiger counter didn't detect anything. And then there was like Travis himself tells a story that like the guys got their helmets and asked them to test their helmets. And I was thinking like, what do they just carry their helmets with them at all times? Maybe they were left in the truck or something. Maybe that's true. Yeah, maybe. So he said they went and got their helmets because they had all showered and stuff. So they, they assumed like maybe we won't test positive for any like nuclear energy, but, but maybe our helmets will. And Travis says this himself that the, the helmets tested positive for radiation. So I don't know. Um, were they sick at all? No. None of them were sick? No. Okay. Not that not that was ever documented. Because I was thinking, like, what if it's something else, and what if there was radiation, and they didn't see a UFO, and they all, like, like hallucinated, or, like, something like that, but yeah. that's not even a symptom of radiation poisoning. It's sick. You yeah. get, like, physically Yeah, yeah, sick. yeah, yeah, like, vomiting and, and Vomiting stuff. and yeah, dizziness, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. right, which is another thing. Like, I'm sure if their helmets had radiation on them then it would have they would have had to been sick like they would have been exposed that's weird i don't know like what's his face the guy (sighs) 
Mikulak, the Falcon Lake guy, he was wicked sick. Yeah, he but was. But they said he didn't have radiation poisoning, so who knows? But imagine if he did, and like they just hushed yeah, they it. Just, like you just mm-hmm, don't know. Mm-hmm, I don't that's trust true. anything. And it's anymore. so hard doing research on these stories when like the man in question is saying one thing, but then the crew members are saying something else. Okay. Like that's just hard for me. Like yeah. I don't know what to go with, you right, know? And right. the more and more and more sources I get more confused. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with what the crew members all said. They said that it was buzzing all off all over the place and those gentlemen those volunteers just took off and they never like seen him again never heard anything about it again didn't know where they came from the shirtless geiger counter people (laughs) yeah yeah we'll call them shirtless you you clearly (laughs) want them to be shirtless all right no i just think it would be really funny if like this group showed up and none of them were wearing shirts and they had like Geiger counter wants <laughs> and like hilarious body hair. Yeah. That would just make it so much better. Big stomachs. Yeah, that I was picturing that. <laughs> yes. Um, so on November seventh, a helicopter was added to the search team. So we're already going in a couple of days here. He's still not to be found anywhere. So far, no sign or trace at all of Travis. Rumors began spreading that the friends probably killed Travis and disposed his body, and the crew began feeling very nervous about what would happen to them if Travis was not found. And that's extremely legitimate. Yeah. Because that's what I would think right away. Yeah. Like, holy shit. They would all have to have the same legitimate story. They would have to. Like, they would have to rock solid that story. Six people can't keep a secret. Somebody would break. Yeah, I agree. There's no way. I agree. So as the days passed that Travis was not found, suspicions and rumors were rising. On November 8th, three days after his disappearance, Mike Rogers and his crew were all asked by the sheriffs on the case if they would agree to take lie detector tests. They accepted, and two days later, on November 10th, Travis's co-workers were tested by Cy Gilson, a top-rated polygraph examiner in Arizona. The tests and questions were all based around murder and the UFO. Alan Dallas and Travis had a personal conflict and he did not want to cooperate with the test. No determination was able to be made with him being uncooperative. He did not finish the test, so his was inconclusive. Okay. For now, years later down the road, he does take another test and he does pass it. For whatever reason, I think his animosity between him and Travis was still fresh at this time, and he was worried probably that he was going to fail. Well, the types of questions that right. they ask are probably like, mm-hmm. have you ever wanted to hurt yeah. him or yeah. whatever? But yeah. And I also, found the document of the actual, um, the questions and, oh, and the examiner's um, statement. So I'm going to read that right after this. Okay. Um, but yeah, what were you going to say? Um, lie detectors. Would you take one? Yeah. If I was 100% honest, yeah, I was. But if I had any any doubt of that I was lying, I would not even try to beat it, which some people do. Have you ever watched Maury? If you knew Steve you were Rokos? innocent. If I knew I was innocent, I would and, take it. And you were that guy. Would you take it? Alan Dallas? Yeah. And I knew I was innocent? Yeah. But knowing that I had problems with him, I'd maybe a little hesitant. Yeah. I'd be afraid that some kind of deception would be, and then I'd be the only one in the fucking group getting, like, labeled as a murderer. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see where he was coming from. They say, like, experts say, you should never, ever, ever take a lie detector. They can't be used in court no, anyway. No, they can't. But, right. But they say that you should never take one because it it could just hurt you in mm-hmm. the long run. Mm-hmm. But then again, like if something happened to like a friend, of I mine, would want to prove not, myself. Yeah. How yeah. would you not want to help? It's like right. such a catch 22. Yeah. Anyway, go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. That's so true. Um, 
So the tests and questions were all based around murder and the UFO. Alan Dallas already said that. The other five men all answered the questions exactly the same. They took two hours each, and they all passed with 92 to 97% accuracy. That they did not kill Travis, and their claims of seeing the UFO and events that transpired were, in fact, real experiences. Alan Dallas did end up cooperating, like I said, later on and passed. Mm-hmm. The official transcript and results later from Cy Gilson and the Arizona Department of Public Safety reads this. Dear Sheriff Gillespie, on 10 November 1975, a polygraph examination was administered to John F. Goulet, Dwayne Smith, Kenneth E. Peterson, Michael something Rogers, Jeff Pierce, and Alan Dallas. The purpose of these examinations was to determine whether or not any of the above listed people were deliberately trying to conceal a criminal act, example, aggravated assault, and or homicide in which Travis Walton was the victim. The relevant questions asked and the answers given are as follows. Question number one, did you cause Travis Walton any serious physical injury last Wednesday afternoon? Question number two, do you know if Travis Walton was physically injured by some other member of your work crew last Wednesday? Question three, do you know if Travis Walton's body is buried or hidden somewhere in the Turkey Springs area? And question four, did you tell the truth about actually seeing a UFO last Wednesday, which Travis Walton when Travis Walton disappeared. And his report from Cy Gilson says, each of the six men answered no to questions one, two, and three, and they answered yes to question four. The test results were conclusive on Goulet, Smith, Peterson, Rogers, and Pierce. The test results on Dallas were inconclusive. Based on the polygraph chart, tracing it is the opinion of this examiner that goulette smith peterson rogers and pierce were being truthful when they answered these relevant questions these polygraph examinations prove that these five men did see some object that they believed to be a ufo and that travis walton was not injured or murdered by any of these men on that wednesday 5 november 1975 if an actual ufo did not exist and the ufo is a man-made hoax five of these men had no prior knowledge of a hoax no such determination can be made of the sixth man whose test results were inconclusive the charts obtained will be maintained in the polygraph section of the department of public safety and then he signs um cy gilson so that's pretty neat to find that um actual report like that Mm-hmm. So those questions were, you know, four questions and it gets right to it, but they all passed about the UFO, which I think is the most, the most important part. Yeah. You know? So Cy Gilson told the sheriffs that this experience was not a hoax and that they were not murderers. They couldn't believe they passed the test regarding the UFO part, especially. Mm-hmm. Now they just needed Travis. And just five hours later, Travis was waking up on earth he was back and terrified what are you researching because you're not listening i am listening he was back what are you five hours later he woke up and he was terrified um exactly what the geology is in that area oh okay cool yeah um travis claims that he found himself belly down on the side of a highway in the rain what i say he found himself (laughs) 
I want your attention. All right, I'm, I'm talking to you okay. after all. I'm Travis claims that he found himself belly down on the side of a highway in the rain. He raised his head and caught a glimpse of the craft shooting off into the sky. Wow. You like my sound effect? He was scared, confused, and as a result of, and as a result, he was full of adrenaline. He got up and he began running. He used all his energy to run until he found an area that he recognized and a payphone. He first called his sister Allison and her husband Grant answered, and he thought it was a prank. Despite this, Travis pleaded with him to please believe him, stating that he was at the Exxon gas station in Heber before passing out. Grant was suspicious and decided to go check it out, but first went to go pick up Travis's brother, Dwayne, in Snowflake. So that's good. He's getting back up. Before Travis knew, before Travis knew it, he was waking up to headlights shining on him. Dwayne and Grant were in disbelief to see him. They rushed to him quickly, lifted him up, and carried him into the truck. On the way to the hospital, Travis tried several times to tell Dwayne and his brother-in-law what had happened to him, but he just couldn't. He kept breaking down. He couldn't, he could clearly remember a good few hours being on the ship that struck him, but he couldn't bring his thoughts to sentences. They told Travis it had been five days, and Walton could not believe it. He felt like it had only been hours. He described himself as going into an almost catatonic state over his reality. He was not prepared for police interaction, nor any media interest. He could barely gather his thoughts to talk to his family. He wanted to go get checked out at the hospital, and then he wanted to go back to Dwayne's, and they made that their plan. Dwayne planned to protect and defend his brother's fragile mental state at all costs. Interestingly, Dwayne had seen a tic-tac-shaped UFO while deer hunting 10 years before and only about 10 miles away from where Travis did. So that's weird. Mm-hmm. Brothers. You know how they say like sometimes the aliens will like pick a family and yeah. like, you know, stay. I think they call it like tracking. Like yeah. they track them. You oh know? my God. Yeah, that I makes know. me nauseous. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> the medical examiner stated Travis looked to be in a daze. He did many tests and examined him for trauma, which did indicate one site where he was possibly injected on his arm. But there was no drugs detected in Travis's blood. And he also had no ketones detected, which the doctor found Weird. suspicious. So he ate. When comparing it to Travis's five-day vacation in the stars. I called it a vacation in the stars. <laughs> I love it. I was typing it out like, I'm so good. <laughs> he grew a bit suspicious with the fact that there was absolutely no bruises or marks on Travis that would explain getting thrown 20 feet through the air. Still, the doctor could tell that Travis had went through an incredibly stressful experience and his brother there by his side verifying the story in the forceful blow that Travis took helped, you know. An EEG was ordered and his results were abnormal and varied greatly from one that he had took years prior. Now it was clear that there was bisynchronous waves moving from the front of Travis's brain to the back of his brain. And nothing else was said about this. But that wasn't there on the last EEG that he did. Could be totally unrelated, for all we know. Once he was released from the hospital, he went back to his brother Dwayne's house as planned. The next day, the phone began ringing off the hook when rumors in the small town started to spread that Travis was back. One telephone call was Sheriff Gillespie. 
He had gotten word that Travis was back and was not happy that he wasn't informed sooner. He wanted an interview immediately. The sheriff left Holbrook right then and there and drove to meet Travis at Dwayne's house. He wanted the whole story from beginning to end, and Travis did not feel even remotely capable of talking about it. There was a lot of nervous tension in Travis, so a hypnosis session was suggested for Travis to recollect his memories, and he accepted. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Hypnosis session. Soon... The media got a hold of the story and it made headlines. Phone calls and questions were coming in constantly from the community. Dwayne was protecting his brother at all costs and telling everyone that he was in the hospital. Even the hospital's phone lines were blowing up from the curious community. People were also calling the sheriff all hours of the day demanding answers. So this little small town was in a, was in a major uproar about this. You know, it's kind of like our little town. If something like that happened, everybody would know, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Travis underwent regression hypnosis with Dr. Harbor, and as expected, his story under hypnosis came out much easier. Are you ready for this story, or would you like to take a little break? Would you like to do a little research? No, I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready? Do you want a break? No, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Okay. Travis I'm scared. Re- I'm nervous. Get this ready. This is the most nervous I felt ever recording. <laughs> That's good. Travis recalled waking up to tremendous pain with blurry vision. It was very hot and humid and his body was laying out on some high table close to a ceiling light. He was in a state of shock and confusion and struggling to breathe. He describes hearing movement around him and automatically assumed that he was in a hospital. There was a curved apparatus laying on his chest. When his vision cleared up, he could see three beings around him, all under four to five feet tall, and described them as not human but intelligent and unemotional. They fit the category of the greys, which is an alien species in ufology. Mm. They had smooth skin and were hairless with abnormally large eyes. They were just staring at him, not saying a word. Once he realized what was going on, Travis lashed out in intense fear. He threw his arms and struck the device off of his chest The fear gave him strength, and he stood up and backed away from the beings, pushing one of them and noting that their body, that its body felt spongy. Ew, right? Like, it didn't feel, like, firm and hard. It felt spongy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. (laughs) The beings started coming towards him with outstretched arms, and in a panic, he grabbed the largest item off of a shelf behind him and started swinging and screaming at them to leave him alone. To his surprise, they stopped moving forward, and they retreated out of the room, taking a left into a hallway. Travis was beyond terrified, and he began scanning the room for another way out and noticed that that he could find no other option. So Travis went to the same hallway that those beings went, but instead went the opposite way. He took a right. It was a horribly narrow, tight, and curvy hallway. So much so that when he looked back behind him, he couldn't see anything but walls. That's creepy. That reminds me of Darren Kuyu. The Mm. choke Mm. things. Yes. Yes, and so, like, claustrophobic. Yeah. Um... Travis claims he was out of control with fear, but kept moving forward until he approached an open doorway of a small circular room with a large screen and a planetarium ceiling and one single red chair. He scanned it nervously, and as he entered into it slowly, the lights dimmed. 
He thought that one of the beings were going to be in that chair, and when he realized it was empty, he continued searching the room for a possible door to escape. He was just on a mission to get the F out of there, you know? Why'd they let him go? That sounds like like a control room of some sort. Like, why'd they just be like, I understand them backing away and even leaving the room, but to not lock him in there? Right, he wasn't tied down at all. No. They probably knew he wouldn't be able to get out. Maybe. You know, because think about it. Here's a human. He, they don't know your craft. Right. There's probably like secret buttons that you can't even tell where they are to open doors. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, maybe they felt confident that he wouldn't find his way out. And he didn't find his way out. Um, But he tried. He tried like hell. So, so listen to what else he did. He's crazy because I don't know if I would do this. So when he realized the chair was empty, and for some reason when I pictured this, I pictured like a Mars Attacks alien sitting in that red chair. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. I think it was like haunting from my childhood. Yeah. I um, love that movie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so scary. Um, so when he could find... Oh, no. So he was searching the room for a possible door to escape to what he was going to expect to be the outside. Like, he didn't know really truly where the F he was. Yeah. Or, like, he was just in, like, this... Of course, these beings were not normal, but I don't think he thought for sure he was in a UFO, like, at the time. He doesn't know what the Yeah, it could be anywhere. It could be some underground freaking building, for all he knows, you know? Um, So when he... When he could find no door, he noticed the chair had padded colors on the armrest and a lever. He decided to sit, and against his better judgment, he pushed some of what he calls buttons. And when he did, some black lines with smaller black lines intersecting appeared on a screen in front of him. There was no words at all on the screen. So if that was like a map, there was no characters to like plot out where anything was. Um, So he obviously thought that was weird. When he pushed the buttons, more of the smaller lines changed angles. Then he pulled back on the lever, and suddenly the ceiling was full of stars in a black galaxy, and the stars began moving with a strong force. He quickly put the lever back down. Travis just wanted to find a way out. He didn't care to appreciate all of that advanced technology around him. Because, yeah, we're talking 1975. You know, that's really advanced. Was he thinking like this is fucking Star Trek or something? Like probably he- when he, I'm sure when he saw like the stars, he probably was like, "Am I driving through space right now?" You know, that stars thing is weird and like remind me of it later because when he finds out where he is, it kind of doesn't make sense unless that's like a map because that whole like it seems like when you pull a lever and you see stars that you're actually traveling, right? Right, but. Maybe it's something else, you know? Yeah. Because you're going to see in a minute. He wasn't in space. He wasn't flying in space. He suddenly felt someone's presence with him in the room. He looked back and there was a man with a, this is, this is comical, with a glass helmet. A man? A man standing in the doorway with a glass helmet. So I right away think of like Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob, like a glass helmet. Come on. Why? I don't know. I'm not here to judge. So immediately, Travis felt relieved. It appeared to be a human, and he figured, he must be here to rescue me. He's going to take me out of here. He approached the man, and he started asking him a bunch of questions frantically about who he was, where they were, what all these beings were, and there was just complete silence for the man. from the man. He was just staring back at Travis, and he had very eerie and unnatural blue eyes. That was like the only thing that was like really weird was his eyes. 
Um, the man grabbed Travis's arm and led him silently out the door and continued down the hallway. So he wasn't human and the Greys sent him to try to calm him? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. where the Greys took off. They were like, hey, we need to go get our... Our decoy. Freaking, yeah. Travis asked the man questions the entire way and never got any response. They arrived at a tiny space and Travis felt cool air rushing. The man motioned for Travis to go down a ramp. And as he did, he looked back up and realized that he was exiting the saucer that he saw in the forest. Now he was in some sort of hangar containing several ufos it was enormous what the fuck mm-hmm. so he wasn't if he was in space they were in a hangar in space okay so it wasn't like that whole planetarium ceiling why were they it uh-huh, wasn't like uh-huh. it was just a piece of glass you know what i mean right so that that made me question that a little bit yeah um but so yep he's in this huge hangar containing a bunch of ufos it was enormous The man walked Travis to another room where there were three other beings who looked exactly like him, like humans, but with the same exact creepy unnatural eyes. And they were suggesting that Travis lay down on a table again with no words, just gesturing like, fuck that. Did he, was he able to telepathically communicate? Mm -mm. No, they were just gesturing? Yep, he believes that there was telepathic communication between them, but not to him at all. He got no messages from them. So, these beings were most likely the species of the humanoid-looking aliens called the Nordic Scandinavians from the Platic Star System. Mm -hmm. Yep. Travis resisted against the small group, forcing him to lay down, and started to feel like he needed to fight for his life. But they overpowered his strength. They got him laying down, and they held a plastic mask over his mouth and nose. Travis noticed that this mask was not connected to anything at all. He desperately tried to pry his fingers under the mask, and suddenly he woke up. That was his very last memory and the end of Travis's hypnosis session. In accounts of his experience. He remembered nothing else after that moment. So Travis waited a while before he reunited with his crew, and they all met up at Mike's. The guys all described Travis as being very different. They could see fear in his eyes, and it was obvious that he still was just very shook up. He told his friends everything that he could recall. They all admitted it was a crazy story, but that they had no doubt at all that he was telling the truth. Travis was a real honest man. And then I started looking into like about like Aquarius men and if they are liars. Not really so much, not like Leos. Um, <laughs> but they Or um, Capricorns. Mm, yeah. Or Libra men. Mm. Do they lie? Yeah. So but no, Aquarius, no, not so much. But as all air signs, they really like live in their head and they like plan shit out before they even think about I could really see an doing Aquarius it. Exaggerating, but I don't think that they yeah. would. Mm. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, it's they, more than just sun sign. Yeah. You know. That's right. There is we don't right and, and I wish we did all of the placements on all of our people, but yeah. it's a little bit too much. It is too much. Really too much. Because yeah. then we would need to know where they were born exactly right. and their exactly time helps. The time. Yeah. Um Okay. So yeah, they were all wicked supportive 
for him. Travis began to wonder out loud if the aliens on ship were caring for him and not hurting him. After all, they did leave him in town, nearby enough to a gas station, opposed to an hour in the woods where he was taken, where he would most likely have not survived the frigid temps that night. Um, they really didn't have to return him at all. I wonder how long he was asleep or like not aware yeah, on the ship. Yeah, I, I think for days. I think he only recalls when they woke him up. Like, I think they were like, all right, you're good now. Like, if he was hurt well, from that blast. Up. Yeah. And they knew they hurt him. Like, oh, shit, we didn't mean to hit this dude. Larry, yeah. you just hit that dude. And then yeah. they had to go and get him because they felt bad. Like, yeah. maybe they really were kind, you know? And they were just like, oh, dude, this guy's going to die out here if we don't help him. That's what I like to think. Yeah, me but too. But, yeah. I uh, from what I understand, people that say they've experienced things with the graves yeah. in particular, yeah, the testing that they do and stuff, right? From what I've, but right. Betty and Barney Hill seemed. I mean, he was fucking fucked up from mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. she remembered that they they were not emotional or like not even compassionate, but not cruel right. either, right? And I think that's the same. I know. I actually know that. Travis does have that in retrospect. He he doesn't think they were mean. Right. You know, in the moment, yeah. Like, he has these freaking scary-ass looking things walking towards you, but if they wanted to kill him, they would have killed him. Oh, yeah. And if they wanted to hurt him, they would have hurt him. Right. But they walked out of the room. They were just like, this dude's freaking out. Yeah. Let's give him a minute. Yeah. You know, these humans and their tempers, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. Um, we're going to have to do an episode on it sooner than later, but the whole disclosure thing that happened recently... They said that they know for sure that not only do they exist, which we don't need the government to tell us that no. we all know that anyway. Yeah. Um, and why they're telling us is a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. I digress. Um, mm-hmm. They said that they know for sure that whatever these beings are, and I don't think they named the Greys specifically, but yep. they said that they have proof and evidence that they hurt people. Oh. Um. So I was confused by uh-huh. that and yeah. like wondering mm-hmm. like what do they mean what? by that do they mean like probe and test and and right. that kind of hurt or mm-hmm. do they mean like Kill. malicious right like ad- abducting people out of national forests and killing them and never bringing them back yeah that's why they never are found we don't know or they're walking around with bigfoot in another dimension right Travis went on to attend many UFO conventions and interviews and became famous in his hometown and the UFO community. Travis ended up falling in love with Mike Rogers' sister, Dana. He married her and had four children together. In 1978, Travis wrote a book called Fire in the Sky, The Walton Experience. And in 1993, a movie was created off of his book, However, the movie was very inaccurate to the real experiences of Travis because the original story was too boring for the producer. So in an attempt to make it scarier and more of a horror movie, he very much exaggerated and falsified a lot of the experience, sadly. That sucks. Which really made people more skeptical. He sent a burnt DVD inside the book with his shaky handwriting. And it said a full 90 minute episode on the CD, on the DVD. So that he just really goes to show he's not making anything. He off of really that. He wants, wants yeah, you to know exactly the truth. Yes. Right. He doesn't want me to watch these other unfounded or, you know, not good 
depictions of his story. Like he wants he uh-huh. wants me to be watching the real shit, which I think is awesome. Um, I did watch that episode probably like fifty fucking times, and. I got a lot of my information for this episode from there, following his request for the best accuracy. Travis also kindly autographed the book and wrote, May reason guide us to discover, declare, and defend the truth, which I think is beautiful. Wow. I know. I cherish it. That's amazing. I know. Travis, you are amazing. In 2021, Travis guest starred on the Joe Rogan Experience. Uh Uh-huh podcast and reported that he had seen several various ufos since his encounter oh geez witnessing a giant black triangle ship glowing spheres and other abnormal balls of light crafts in a later interview with kurt i did not know how to say this last name um kurt j mungle j mungle i'm gonna call it so, in a later interview with Kurt J. Mungle on his YouTube channel, The Theories of Everything with Kurt J. Mungle, Travis elaborates more about one of the after-encounters with the um, that black triangle UFO. He tells the story that he and his pregnant wife, Dana, and their son were in California on Route I-5, Driving from Burbank, California to Snowflake, Arizona, when a huge triangle craft hovered directly above their vehicle. His wife was a few months along and had already had a confirmed pregnancy by ultrasound prior to their trip. His wife claims that they lost time on this trip and it took them much longer to get home. And Travis agreed. When they arrived home, they noticed that there was a red mark across her stomach. Oh, God. The next day, Travis and Dana found that there was 15 reported sightings of that same craft. The couple was concerned about the mark on Dana's stomach, and so they made an, a sooner appointment into the OBGYN to be checked. And they were shocked and saddened to find that there was a visible placenta and cord, but no fetus any longer inside. One theory being that the baby was actually taken by those aliens... Or a medical explanation that the baby was reabsorbed into her womb. But she was three months along. So, like, I mean, yeah, I don't know if a baby that big can be reabsorbed. I didn't do research. But um, why was nothing else reabsorbed? Like, the placenta was still there. The sack was there. The cord was visible. It's weird. Wow. I want to be like, Travis, was the cord just dangling around in there? Like, it was not attached to anything. So, I mean... But he makes a note you, that, that he could see the cord. I'm not an OBGYN, but yeah. I believe that yeah. if you lost a pregnancy at that far along, You'd you, would be, ha- you would miscarry. Right, right. It can't. And then if if not, they'd have to like surgically yes, help you. absolutely. You don't just leave a placenta in you with no, no. growing fetus. So it's a very abnormal story for sure. Um, very sad. So um, they did something to him on the ship and they wanted to see how it affected very possible. And someone actually made a comment that on that summit that he went to, that he, he actually brought his son and his son was much older at this point. I didn't get an exact age, but there was like several witnesses that had commented that his son had a very unusual, like almost glow about him. Like his son just was like, I think described as like an extraordinary being, Wow, which is weird too. So yeah, you're right. Maybe they they did do something to him, and they were just trying to follow up 
kind of thing, you know? But he did go on to continue to have three more um, viable pregnancies, and no aliens took those babies. So that's a good thing. Thank God. But, you know, rest in peace to that one. Yeah. So, um, you know, still in that same interview with Kurt Jamungal, Travis answered some questions. Someone asked why he thinks he's seen so many UFOs when most people never see one. And if he believes he's being tracked. And Travis responded that he just sums it up to living in this remote area and having an outdoor lifestyle and these wide open skies. And he doesn't think that people pay attention to the sky enough, which we already talked about. Um, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I guess he's always looking for it. Um, but he also made a comment that it's like, it's really not as uncommon as we think. Travis regrets getting out of the truck that night, claiming the topic never escapes him. He laughed at the fact that he grew out his mustache to try to go under the radar. So Travis Walton's got this like epic mustache. It's always been there since I can recall, except I'm going to give you some of the pictures that I found from like the crew in the woods. Like I got a really nice group photo of them. So you can have that as like a, as a, um, hint, Okay. which would probably have to be like dropped what Sunday or like soon today, (laughs) today, hint coming soon. Um, but yeah, like he has like such a baby face, you know, and yeah. then that mustache, like, you know how it is when men just yeah, have yeah. a mustache. Yeah. It's like, come it's on. It's fine if it's the seventies, I can appreciate it, but that's so gross. Yeah. We're talking now. now. Yeah. Oh, we're we're talking still now, you know, Ew. but he did. He tried to go into the radar and I mean, he was saying like, he actually even seemed a little sad about it. Cause like, if I was in Arizona, I would absolutely love to meet him. I would love to meet him. Just take a photo with him. And he says that, like, he seemed a little sad about it when he was like, oh, yeah, people knock on my door all the time. And they're just like, I'm in the area. Can I bother you for an autograph? Like, yeah. you know, he's always going to be until he's until he passes, you know, he's yeah. always going to be like that. Um, but yeah, so his whole life has been this ever since that, you know. Yeah. Walton wants everybody to know that this is a real phenomena and, quote, the evil green alien is just a Hollywood stereotype, a government disinformation campaign, and that we are not alone in the universe, urging those who have come into contact or witnessed UFOs or aliens to come forward and speak up, stating it's really not as uncommon as most people think. He believes not everybody pays enough attention to the sky above us, like I said, and yeah, I agree. If you aren't looking, you won't ever catch a glimpse of something so spectacular. Travis swears he was not aware of the film regarding Betty and Barney Hill's abduction prior to this, but he did watch it later. So, he does swear. And uh, to sum it all up, Travis has a website. I mean, there is there is so many interviews on YouTube of Travis. I yeah. mean, I'm talking probably like 50 hours worth that yeah. I could find. Um, and he he is a he is a sport because some of the interviewers are rude yeah. or you know trying to be you know like a- accusatory, and he's just he's. You can see it gets to him. Yeah. He starts, sometimes he gets a little like loud about something, but for the most part, he really is like very well, his yeah. uh, demeanor is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched so many of them. I really feel like we're friends, Travis. <laughs> um, but he's got a website that you can check out. It's 
dash walton.com the little dash it's like not the underscore it's the dash right yeah, yeah let's talk quickly about theories that people have that are a little far-fetched so like um some people some people just straight up don't believe the story at all there's definitely a lot of skeptics i can't see how anybody can't believe when that many people are passing with 92 to 97 percent accuracy granted yes we can't use these in court they're not 100 percent accurate but there was just no deception detected on that many people yeah that just doesn't happen you know um and and some people think that this is like a plot by the government um, being not a cover up, but a spoon feeding. Yeah. I mean, getting to Project Bluebeam. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how like early that would have started, but um, some people think that the government has these, um, you know, these underground bunkers which we know of all around that supposedly house aliens and testing and um cloning and so they think that because there's humanoid looking aliens on the ship that either they're hybrids which is a good possibility or they're really humans that are working like for our government and these are aliens and the ship that we've create we've made and cloned and like we're doing this to um prepare us you know for something bigger coming and they're not just saying just this case but like some people truly believe this is like all alien abduction cases like that aliens really aren't real that well they are real but that they're not coming and abducting us that like when there's situations that are happening like this it's 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 the government i can't 100 percent say i agree that that's the case but i do believe for sure that they are like you said spoon feeding us for something like especially with what's going on right now right but this back in 1975 and like Betty and Barney Hill, I don't know. You know, who knows though, right? Um, so I was just talking to somebody because I got a lot of messages about the disclosure thing. And I was just talking to somebody who asked what I thought. And I said that the government or who I, I don't even like to say the government because I don't think the government falls under this bigger umbrella and whoever is at the top of this whatever they are people beings i don't aliens i don't know who's in charge but whoever it is if project blue beam is real that means that they've been planning it longer than a human lifetime which means that they're not human right so why do you think that explain i don't get that the longer than a human lifetime because there's like evidence everywhere going so far back in time where does it start where does this project plan start it seems like it started in the early 1900s right so that would mean that these beings are at least 123 years old um but i don't know i don't know if it started in the 40s which would mean if if the average age of a politician is what 50 45 so that would make them how old now? That would mean that yeah, well, even that would mean they, that they're like 120 years old. Yeah, and I mean even if they pass, they can they can pass this on to but the why? next generations, right? For what benefit? For who? For the bigger plan, and that's why it's weird. Like because why so far at some away? Point would stop it. Somebody's child would be like, because who is it benefiting? 
is the question. So I just don't know. I just don't, I don't know what to think, but I know that the government will never tell us the truth. I don't care what they say. I don't care who comes forward. I don't care what they air and come forward and say it doesn't. Yeah. They're going to tell us what they want to tell us. They're going to tell us what they want to tell us Mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm -hmm. This information is not free. And that's what scares me because why? Yeah. And that I'm just like spitballing. I don't really necessarily believe that like there are beings that are that old. I'm just saying that like if this was a real project, like we'd have to go all the way back in time and figure out who started it and why. Yeah, because, there's, there's going to be documents of Project Blue Bean that have well, been leaked, right? This like, stuff seems like, from all the research I'm doing, all this weird shit started happening in, like, the 40s. And, yes, there's, like, UFOs and, like, ancient yeah, uh, ancient true. architecture and all, mm-hmm. all that shit. But it seems like, from the stuff we research, it started in, like, around World War II, and all that stuff. So yeah. I I don't know. I yeah. It's like I saw this video. I never got to watch it, but it was like a con- it was called Conspiracy Theory Iceberg, and it was like eight hours long, and it oh, was like shit. connecting all the things, cool. and like that's what my brain does, but uh-huh. it doesn't make it right. We yeah. we're humans, and we look for patterns, right? Right. We're trying so to make sense of it, but we're trying yeah. to make sense of something that we probably. We'll never, and be maybe able to. we will in our lifetime. Maybe, maybe but before. then again, who's to say that that's real? Who's to say that that's yeah, exactly. Again, because what they tell us and what information is leaked and what is probably all controlled. And like for all we know, they're controlled. like allowing these documents to be leaked, making us think that we're getting a hold of shit when really they want us to get a hold of it. Yeah, that, you yeah. know, right. So, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I can't like I don't knock anybody's opinion about that, but I think. In this situation, I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Like those those humanoids, these reports of these humanoid aliens, maybe they are hybrids, like that are birthed on Earth or in the sky. Who knows? But maybe they are a human alien conception, and they're built just to do this work. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean. It comes from somewhere, right? Yeah. They say that those Nordic aliens are supposed to be the ones that live underground still. Oh, shit. And that those I looked up photos of them and... They're all like cartoony. Of course, because they're just someone's Someone's, imagination. Right. But they are very... I mean, I'm sure they're the imagination. They're drawn up of people's accounts, right? Yeah. But yeah, they're wicked creepy. Yeah. Because they're all beautiful. Like, they have like perfect skin like these glowing blue eyes the blonde hair yep the blonde hair that's always did you ever hear of the case of the um as she was probably a nordic actually alien that had sex with a dude and he his wife was sleeping on the side of him no you never heard this oh man maybe i should save it for a mini I did hear when I was a kid about the lady who said that a, an alien or a baby was cut out of her on oh. a ship. Oh, shit. I wonder if that was the story. Because I remember it was like in the news and people saying she was crazy. That was like in the early 90s. Um, this one about Travis Walton? Yeah, I well, wonder if they that's they don't recall going anywhere. Like, yeah. they just lost time, she thinks. Right. So, and right. he agreed. But, like, she was just like, it took us a lot longer. Granted, that is a pretty damn big trip. I mean, they're going from California to Arizona. So... I mean, it's a it's a road trip, so I don't know, but they probably did back then. They didn't have a GPS on their phone, so you know, 
I don't know. Well, there's a difference between like, like was there losing- a gap in memory or not? Because that's that's lost time. Yeah, you know what she, I mean. Yeah, no. Um, that part I'm not a hundred percent sure. She just she just accounted for like it taking a lot longer to get home yeah. than she thought. Yeah. And and he was like, yeah, I think so too. But you know, neither of them thought that anything happened to more than the ship just hovering over their car. But who really fucking knows? So maybe they were just put back in the car in the right places. If if or maybe who knows? Maybe just the wife was taken real quick and put back. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what to make of like the government and all that stuff. But I get the feeling. Me personally think that like we're being harvested for something, and it's our energy. Like, look at what we do. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, yeah. we have money that's literally worth nothing. Like, at least if you're passing gold and stuff, it's like it has like intrinsic worth, but. Money just represents worth that's not even there. For what? And the government, how much they tax us? Like, what are we doing as a society and as a we're just puppets, like of people on Uh Earth? Uh I just don't understand. Like, like what's our what's our end game here? Like, what's our goal? Right. And it just makes me think that like everything that's fed to us, our food, our TV, especially growing up. I mean, we're getting away from that now because of like YouTube and that shit. But Yeah, what the we're subliminal fed. messaging. Yeah, it's always yeah. been a thing. Yeah, yeah. So it really makes you wonder. Like, yeah, I don't. It know. does. It makes you wonder. I um, I I just I think that just like no matter what, I just believe the guys. Like, if it even if it was man made or or some sort of like, I believe what happened to him. You know. Yeah, it sounds believable. Yeah, he seems like he's a good dude. Yeah. I wish we could go to Arizona. I just don't know why anybody would make that up. Me too. I just don't, I don't understand. Because then there's other theories like, okay, so like Travis got struck by the beam and then he was laying there and and they took off and he's pissed, right? Because his friends just fucking left and he maybe is embarrassed because he was a fool, right? To get out of the truck and go towards this thing. And now he got hit and he's laying there and he's pissed off and embarrassed. So he takes off himself. This is another theory and gets like lost in the woods and is in the woods for that many days and then comes to, but my theory is he would be filthy, right? Well, and he just, was not at not all. Just that, but like, oh, what are the chances that he saw this ship and something happened to him in front of people right? and then just got up and walked away. Yeah, like what are the chances? Because what happened with um with um and why wouldn't Stephen, he be honest? Um, Kubaki, Kubaki, right. same fucking thing. Same thing. Yeah. What happened with the Tom Reed incident? Same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't gone extended periods of time. I don't think, but yeah, that we know of. They, right. they lost time. Yeah, they were put back. Same yep. thing with Stephen Kubaki. Mm-hmm. Lost time, but he was gone a fucking wicked long time. He was a very long time. Like, That's a has insane. he done any? I wonder if he's done any hypnosis. Huh. It's hard to remember back because that was like one of our first that like, was one few of our, episodes. Well, it didn't come up in the episode. Oh, okay. If he did, but oh, yeah, I'm wondering right, right. if he did. Yeah, that's a good one. If you like, we, we've covered a couple of these um, alien abduction cases now. So if yeah. you like, if you're into that, go back to our our other episodes, our older ones. Yeah. And just, we just did Falcon Lake not that long yep, ago. Yep, Falcon and Lake. Stephen and we got, was one Yep, of our and the Betty and Barney Hill. Oh, yeah. So no, we've got okay. a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the story for this week. What Thank do you, you think, though? I mean, you, you I already said. I'm like, 
I'm to a point now yeah, in life just where like, I just don't know what the fuck to believe. Do I think it's believable? Yes. Yeah. Do I think somebody would lie? No. But, but we don't know. I just don't I just don't know. Yeah. I don't really have a belief either way. It's a fucked up story. I hope it doesn't happen to me. Yeah, but, right, you know. right. I just, I think the, 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 them all passing. Oh, and I didn't put that in here, but Travis says that he um, did five, he did f- over the course of time, he did five lie detector tests with three different examiners and passed them all. So, you know, I don't know if that has, I don't know if there's truth to that either, but. I can just, I can just attest here to seeing this report that they all admit, they all said they saw a UFO and they did. Yeah. Um, and whether it's man-made or not, we don't know, right? But still a wild story. And it's one of my favorites, honestly. Yeah. I really like this. I really, really, really well, like this one. Because it puts a new perspective on like the, first of all, how much of the ship he saw, but also. Yeah. The fact that he was in a hangar. Right, what the fuck? right, right. Like, like, we don't think that. Like, we just think that they think take off, they go somewhere. to their planet, they come back. But, yeah, they they could have, like, a you know meeting oh fucking point. Oh, my God, point. you know what I just thought of? What? If somebody was abducted, their body wouldn't be able to withstand leaving our atmosphere. True, true. So there's probably, like, a like a meeting point where the UFOs all gather their abductees and meet at the hangar. Like, the hangar's got to be parked somewhere in the universe. I wonder why it always happens in the woods. Is it, is it, I mean, it's, it's got to be always, the forest. But it's got to be. But is it because there's less people? It's less I think populated it's just and they wooded, don't want to be seen? I think it's just a heavily, like, dense wooded area that's easy to be hidden. So they don't want to be seen, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that. that's what it is. Or, like we said, there's something connected with all of these national forests. Why would they care if anybody saw them? Yeah. It's not like we can do anything about it. Oh, no. It's true. But they also try to make us not remember, too. Yeah, they definitely try to do that. That's, we've got many accounts and stories of them, their memories, people's memories getting wiped. So, yeah. I don't know. But it's a good story. And I think I just love that he's so still active and like still telling his story and that he's alive and well. And I think like all of that just adds to like why I love this story so much, you know? Yeah. He's he's good. I get nervous about the things I think. <laughs> like I hope I hope like I don't get in trouble for saying what I and I don't it's not even what I think. It's like Things I think about doesn't make yeah. them true or right. Exactly, at all. you're I not just... gonna you're not gonna be in trouble for stating that you think something could be a possibility. You know, you're just using your imagination. You don't think they're gonna kill me? No, government. No, not until we're like really, you know, famous. Well, they haven't killed Joe Rogan yet, but that's because that's he's true. Too big. Well, they would notice. That's true too. But well, they fucking make a clone for him. And stick them in there. I didn't think of that. We have so many, like, clone things. Bizarre to clones. Yeah. Like, you're going to do the Britney one, right? No, I don't think <gasps> I'm going to. I never really wanted to. I just kind of wanted to talk about that one thing. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been seeing my TikTok is all about We kind of talked about her quick on that one. About, yeah, that's all um, I really wanted to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I don't know what's going on. I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know I don't what know else either. can I. I mean, I could. It is kind of an interesting rabbit it's hole just if like, you're interested. where is Britney? Where's the real Britney? Yeah. You know? I don't know. But all right, that's it for this week. Hope that you enjoyed this full length. I enjoyed it. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Terrifying. And we will, uh, we will see you. We will talk to you. <laughs> Soon. We will talk at you. We will talk at you next, next Monday. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. Until then. Stay, stay mysterious. mysterious.